Welcome to a bonus episode of the Franchise Festival podcast where we discuss noteworthy video game series from the last 40 years. Though we've moved on from Resident Evil, our Season 2 topic, we thought it might be fun to return to the subject for a recently released CG movie. As ever, if you have any questions or suggestions, be sure to reach out to us via email at franchisefestival at gmail.com, on Twitter at franchise underscore fest, or through our Patreon page. As for us, we're your hosts, Chris, Spencer, and Hamilton. Let's talk about Resident Evil Death Island. This movie was directed by Eiichiro Hasumi and written by Makoto Fukami. Hasumi has quite a few live-action movie and TV credits in Japan since 2002, and I mean a lot, according to IMDb, including my favorite title, Assassination Classroom. He also directed Resident Evil Infinite Darkness, which we thoroughly pilloried on an earlier episode of the show. <laughs> Fukami is a novelist, manga writer, and screenwriter who's been active since 1999. He previously worked on the Psycho Pass franchise. Do you, do you recognize that, anybody? I've nope. heard of it. I'm familiar with Assassination Classroom, but I don't know Psycho Oh, Pass. nice. Okay. I, I've seen the name Psycho Pass. I want to say there are games associated with it. But anyway, he did. Uh, Fukami did a film and two novelizations as well as writing Resident Evil Vendetta, another CG movie from 2017, which we have not covered. Resident Evil Death Island was designed to bring protagonists from Resident Evil history together, some for the first time. Specifically, Jill and Leon finally meet one another here, which was a big uh, fan request. Rebecca Chambers is also back, having previously appeared in Resident Evil Vendetta, and Biohazard The Stage, a stage production from the mid-2010s. What? <laughs> I have I have two things here. One, we need to obviously watch a taping of the Resident Evil stage production. We can't not cover that now that I know it exists. It's on YouTube. It's one of three Resident Evil stage productions. Are you oh, serious? Geez. One of them's a musical. I am not joking. Are you serious? Mega Man's we have to watch we it. We more Resident Evil. To <laughs> I know we're a Mega what Man. Have I have been to doing watch it for a whole season. <laughs> yeah, that is awfully great and awful again. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I do want to point out, though, I'm glad that you uh, corroborated something here, because there's a scene in this, obviously, when Jill and Leon run into each other, and mm -hmm. they recognize one another, and I was confused, because I thought to myself, have those two met? I don't Never. remember those two ever meeting. And then I thought, they must have. They recognized each other. But now I know... They recognized each other from Resident Evil promotional material, I assume. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Well, they were, both on, they were both stars members. Their paths have to have crossed in some capacity. Mm, Leon wasn't a stars member, Spencer. You're right. He was just RPD. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. We've got a lot of voice actors here from the recent games and movies. Nicole Tompkins, who was Jill in the Resident Evil 3 remake, is here. Stephanie Panicello from the Resident Evil 2 remake is here as Claire. Kevin Dorman is here from Resident Evil Vendetta as Chris. And Aaron Cahill, Cahill 
from Resident Evil Vendetta is here as Rebecca. One thing that I did want to draw attention to here that was a bit of an odd note is that Matthew Mercer is here as Leon. He was Leon in Resident Evil 6. They did not pull in Nick Apostolides, who played the character in the Resident Evil 2 remake, Resident Evil 4 remake, and Infinite Darkness. So we have this very strange scenario where the Resident Evil 2 remake Claire is hanging out with the Resident Evil 6 Leon. Maybe he just wasn't available to record at the time. The movie is set between the events of Resident Evil's 6 and 7, and is intended to fill in some of the story gaps between those entries, including Jill's whereabouts after Resident Evil 5's mind control. Chris is pointing at me like there was something I was supposed to jump in with here. Well, I was kind of <laughs> kicking it to you, because you mentioned earlier that Resident Evil Revelations was also between these two points. Oh, yeah, it's RE3 model Jill, which is... but she's been portrayed with a different model since then so in like mm -hmm. revelations and five yeah and you know it occurs to me we were talking about this earlier but i guess resident evil revelations may be set between resident evils four and five <laughs> it might not be after five maybe that's it um i'll be darned if i'm gonna keep the timeline of this franchise straight do uh what are they jester and beavis or whatever show up you get referenced after revelations at all they've never reappeared the hell are their code names Joker uh, and Punchhead? I don't know. What? Below the belt? A couple of... You know what I'm talking Joker. about. Oh, I know who you're yeah. talking about. Jeff. Bulk and Skull? Yeah, Jed the worst Edgar. part of Resident Evil Revelations. <laughs> yeah, Jed and Edgar. Bulk and Skull. I don't remember those guys' names, and I'm really happy that I forgot them. <laughs> May they be consigned to the dustbin of history. One was Jackass. <laughs> yes, that's yeah. it. Jackass and... Skullcrusher? Rook? Rook? Skullcrusher? Chess? Knight? <laughs> Queen? <laughs> You're getting I, them confused I, with the sewer puzzle. Starfire? Uh, yeah, I am getting them confused with their RE2 sewer puzzle. That's a good point. The central setting of Alcatraz was relevant to the production because it represents a sense of being trapped as well as evoking the ghosts of past evils. The villain Dylan was created as a foil to the heroes in a reference to how traumatic events can shape individuals in either good ways, like with Claire, Chris, Leon, and Rebecca helping people around the world, or bad ways, as with Dylan trying to visit the harm done to him upon others. Dylan was intended to be contrasted with Albert Wesker, consummate Resident Evil villain, in not really being megalomaniacal, but rather being someone with a sense of justice who's been corrupted by his disgust with the world's injustice. I take exception to this. I think this guy verges on Wesker territory, depending upon the scene in which he's monologuing. Yeah, like, I'm sorry. He came across as just, like, chewing the fat, or chewing the seat. What is it? I know I have... Yeah, chewing the scenery. Like, chewing the scenery. The fat scenery. And just, like, tapping his cane, being like, ah, oh, tick-tock, you're lucky, you he get does to tap survive. Yeah. There's so many weird, like, singular moments of him that seem out of character. He has so many out-of-character moments mm -hmm. that he doesn't have a character. It feels like no. they had, like, a dozen writers, each of which storyboarded what they thought seemed like a cool or dramatic moment or mannerism in a vacuum, <laughs> and then worked backward from there, and then they just stitched all 12 of those exercises into one character. Like, even in the over the course of one monologue... His ideology and justifications for doing things will flip-flop three different times. Mm -hmm. 
Matthew Mercer confirmed in an interview that the motion and voice work process was not very different between, uh, I think it was 2017's Vendetta and Death Island, even though the final product is made much more lifelike due to the evolving CG technology in the interim. The budget and timeline were pretty tight for this project, although occasionally exceptions were made to that to enhance the horror, like including the gigantic water monster at the end, despite it being more difficult to animate than what they had originally intended. (laughs) The crew on the project were major Resident Evil fans, so they tried really hard to ensure that it matches up with the events and timeline of the game series, and Capcom was at pains to stress in interviews that this is canon to the events of the game series, for what that's worth. I'm not a person who cares about canon events in fiction, because it's all made up, but I know other people do, and I don't begrudge them that. I like it, but it depends. Like, for this, I don't, I couldn't care less, but... Sure. I mean, it's this freaking Resident Evil. <laughs> I shouldn't say right, that. It, it hangs together more than the Zelda timeline, but that's a low bar to clear. <laughs> the movie premiered theatrically in Singapore on June 22nd, 2023, and got further theatrical releases in Taiwan, Malaysia, Greece, Japan, and Mexico over the following four weeks. Outside of those countries, it was published via streaming services and on physical home media on July 25th, 2023, which is, of course, how we watched it. We see they had to have at least some limited theatrical release so that they were eligible to be nominated for an Oscar. You reckon that's why? Hmm? I mean, why else? That's kind of what I'm wondering. (laughs) (laughs) On the one hand, I thought when I started to watch this, why didn't it get a wider theatrical release? (laughs) And then the reasons became apparent over the next 90 minutes. So, getting into the meat of the story of this movie. So, the Umbrella UBCS. I forgot what that stands for. Something bio... Oh, I'll never remember it. It's biohazard It's part of the acronym soup of Resident Evil. Yeah. Yeah. They're always a biohazard anti-destruction thingy thingy. I want to say it's Umbrella Biohazard Containment Squad or something, but... Go for it. Don't hold me to it. That sounds amazing. Anyways, so the Umbrella Corps forces uh, travel to Raccoon City... Uh, to gun down civilians uh, to protect Umbrella execs. Mm-hmm. So there seems to be an outbreak that's happening here, and they're just like, I mean, it's Umbrella, so they're just like, you have to kill everyone and anyone. Yeah, it's the Raccoon City incident. It's the know, Raccoon from, City. From Resident Evil 2. Exactly. Yeah. There's an argument between uh, two guys in a bunker that they're ordered to murder the infected squad mates. Mm-hmm. The one named JJ, however, is willing to follow the order, while the other guy is just like, I, I don't know. Yep. I don't care about any of these people we just met them we just met them we didn't have any beef with this scene this made this i thought this was a neat scene right showing the really back 
No, no, I didn't mean to say it like that. one of the first times that we've actually had any, like, pathos trying to be ascribed to, like, the Umbrella Mercs, right? Normally they're just faceless dudes in gas masks turning Mm. away civilians back into the quarantine zone. Yeah, the best we got before was Carlos and Kyle. You're right. I didn't mean to have... These guys are actually, like, not happy with the fact that they've been ordered to kill their friends to contain the outbreak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can dig it. So to continue, uh, focusing on our heroes in uh, San Francisco. So we meet Leon... He's uh, chasing a car on a highway. Um, unfortunately, it gets away, and he's in- intercepted by a mysterious biker lady. Um, mm-hmm. Fairly standard. Who she is later. Exactly. Fairly interesting uh, action scene. I was just like, "All right, well, something's happening." Very Michael Bay. Very, very Michael Bay Transformers. I I thought, dude, when I first watched this scene, I thought the person jumped off the bike, but like for no reason. Because you okay? Oh so, yeah, rip, rip her! Like yeah. so, you see the bike, um, yeah. fall first, and then you see like the person drop on uh, Leon, or is it the other way around? I can't remember. Um, but when I first, I don't know. When I first saw it, I got so confused. It's like, wait, was that like a zombie driving it or something? <laughs> Did you just like just commit suicide? <laughs> zombie biker, yeah, zombie biker. You know, I thought <laughs> I would have. I thought for sure at first it was going to turn out to be Ada. I thought it was going to be yeah, yeah. That tracks, yeah, big Ada energy. Also, in the meanwhile, Claire's investigating an orca carcass on the beach that has a giant bite wound. Mm-hmm. Like, Claire's still with the bio, the anti-bio-weapon NGO TerraSave. Yeah, I was excited about this because I was ready for zombie sharks, and mm-hmm. I was not entirely disappointed. And I guess to, uh, a part of me was just like, okay, well, I mean, they're adding names um, from, like, the previous games. So I guess that kind of yeah, adds Terra the continuity. Yeah, was in uh, Revelations 2. Jill is infiltrating a dark house against the guidance of someone on her walkie-talkie. She has her mind on quite a lot of things. We'll figure... We'll see more of that later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chris, in his... I think it's like RE5 one? Yeah, this is pre-Redhead Chris. Yeah, it's it's post... This is post-RE5, pre-RE7. So he's still with the BSAA. Yeah. And, it, like, the super jacked muscles. Right. Chris and a SWAT team meet up with Jill. Well, Jill fights a zombie here, too. We, we can't miss that. That's true. There's, like, a zombie in this house mm. in uh, San Francisco, and uh, Chris is like, oh, you can't fight zombies without the team. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That starts the whole thing where Chris starts to get worried about Jill. She's just kind of throwing herself into her work. Right. Yeah, she's reckless. Yeah. It's also bringing back the news of the house infiltration uh, to the scientist, Rebecca, who's in a yeah. lab. Is Rebecca a, repar- a recurring character? Yeah, she's, she's an RE zero. Yeah, she's from uh, she's from Resident Evil one. She was mm-hmm. Chris's like partner character in the original Resident Evil, and then she was the main character of Resident Evil zero. She hasn't uh, appeared in the game since then, but she was in Resident Evil Vendetta and Biohazard the Stage. Gotcha. That that sparks the memory. I remember her now. Yeah, she's like uh, she's like a medic. That's her deal. Yeah. Uh, Rebecca says that Jill blames herself for the events of RE five. Mm-hmm. She doesn't need to, but you know, I get it. Chris talks to Jill um, as she changed from a firing range. <laughs> oh, I, I, I brought in a bunch of quotes here because <laughs> I thought this conversation was very silly. I yeah. Um, I liked <laughs> I liked Chris's uh, Chris's quote. We have to consider stuff like that always, uh, which is a very strange thing to say. Uh, he also tells her that the numbness will burn right down to our souls. Yeah. 
And then Jill responds, innocent people are being poisoned and used as weapons. And whoever's doing that has no soul. If we want to stop them, we can't afford to think about numbness or souls or any of that shit. And she starts firing a gun. And just continues to fire. Yeah. Uh, take that as you will. Yeah. Again, like, I get it. When she was taken over by Wesker, I mean, she she flat out says, like, the only thought I had in my head was, like, I was just trying to kill you, all of you. Yeah, it's pretty interesting to get a window into her psyche during that time period. Yeah. And to be honest, I, I actually did find that interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Much less, like, Chris's, like, this is my superhero monologue. Um, oh, yeah. Classic Chris. Right. It's just more like, actually, she knew what was happening around her, but she couldn't stop herself. I was like, oh, okay. Jill will forever be more interesting than Chris, and it is to our detriment that he continues to be the Resident Evil mascot character. (laughs) I know. I was like, Jill, Jill, you're very interesting. Be the main character, please. Yeah. Chris has muscles. He does. That's his thing. He does. He can punch boulders. He's very good at that. He can. And fighting in lava. Well, there's some important exposition here, too, between Chris and uh, Rebecca. This is where we find out that the infected that Jill killed had not been turned by a bite. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good catch. Um, and I think also they found that someone he did he bite the wife. Someone that he bit did not turn. So we know at this point that this is some weird version of the T virus that is not transmitted via bite. Mm-hmm. But what happens after is that, as is written here, and it's a perfectly accurate description, an evil dude menaces a scientist. He the scientist is crying and and weeping. He's talking about mm-hmm. how their prototypes can be ready for mass production and. Mm-hmm. He's just he's tapping his cane as he's walking towards him. Very melodramatic. Mm-hmm. He's basically Wesker. Yeah, Wesker Light. He says like, "Oh, you've accomplished your mission." Hands the guy a gun, or not hands him a gun. Sorry, uh, he points the gun. Yeah, this doesn't team. go anywhere. Yeah, right? yeah this, this like is... weird Russian roulette thing. Yeah, this is one of those moments I was talking about where like it's a character beat that is just completely disconnected from everything else this character does. Right. Yeah. He he has he plays he you know. Leaves one bullet in the chamber, spins it, mm-hmm. and plays Russian roulette with the scientist, and then with himself. And he does some monologuing. I didn't write down the exact quotes, but mm. it's something along the lines of how, like, if what he's doing is not good, then God would make sure he died when he did this. And right. every time he, like, does his little Russian roulette thing on himself and he doesn't get killed, that's, hit, like, reaffirming to himself that he's doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. It comes up here and never again. <laughs> yeah. He did the same thing to the scientist where he pulls the trigger. Right. And then yeah. he's just like, ah, it seems like God didn't want you to die today. You must be doing the right thing. Or we're doing the right thing. Whatever the case is. And that's enough of that character and motivation. Done. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Which honestly, I was like, yeah, it's scene chewing, but it is interesting. <sighs> they just pick one aspect of this guy and follow it through, like Spencer said earlier. Also, the mysterious lady from Leon's in- uh, intro is here as well. At this point, Chris, Rebecca, Claire, and Jill meet in the lab, and they observe that there have been zombies popping up all over San Francisco lately, and they're all people who recently visited Alcatraz in the harbor. So the crew goes on a visit to San Francisco's prison island and witnesses a zombie outbreak on their tour. Yes. I'm really happy that you and I both specifically noted Hawaiian shirt Chris. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is Chris's only Hawaiian shirt appearance. If there was an action figure line of Resident Evil characters, there would be a Hawaiian shirt Chris variant. 
I have no doubt. Since this can, do you think they're going to have like a DLC for the next RE game? Yeah, several Hawaiian trip? Oh, God willing. God willing, yeah. Yeah, the Hawaiian expedition. <laughs> Tourists are going crazy here. Uh, I, I actually, I kind of like this scene. Mm-hmm. So partially it's because I'm a real sucker for like daylight horror. You know, and this is on just an average middle of the day tourist trip to Alcatraz where, um, you know, they're walking around in the prison cells and somebody screams and it turns out there's a zombie biting somebody. And then there's another zombie on the other side. And there's a certain chaos to this that I find really engaging as just a little touch of zombie horror. Mm -hmm. Uh, It doesn't, you know, it, it only goes so far, but I did like the setup here. I'll give them credit for that. There's also uh, influencers here recording video, which feels like kind of a nod to the the era. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like that Jill decapitates a zombie using an ancient prison door. Very rad. The zombies are pretty acrobatic <laughs> for Resident Evil zombies, which bummed me out a little bit. They're kind of jumping around and stuff. Uh, and in the midst of the chaos, Jill falls through a floor and acquires an assault rifle somehow. Uh, leaving Chris and Claire on the second level of the cell blocks in Alcatraz and Jill down in a basement. We cut over to our villain monologuing, referencing his uh, his former teammate JJ, playing Russian roulette again just by himself, and we get a flashback where JJ uh, slaughters his teammates in the past in Raccoon City, and then the other guy there realizes that he has to kill J.J. because J.J.'s been bit. And there's a silent shot of J.J. appearing to beg the other guy to kill him and mouthing the word, please. Uh, and at this point, we can pretty well surmise that our villain is the other UBCS member from that flashback. Mm-hmm. So I think it's worth noting here, too. They find a guy in a cupboard that we know to be Dr. Taylor, the guy that Leon's looking for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Chris and Jill find him. This is actually weird, so maybe you can help. I watched the first part of this movie a few days ago and finished it this morning. And in the first part of my notes, I specifically wrote down here that they it's Dr. Taylor that they find. Mm-hmm. But then in the second half of the movie, they treat it like a reveal when we find out that that's Dr. Taylor because he gives them a fake name. Yeah. <laughs> you got me. I don't know. <laughs> Jill here explores some sewers. Uh, encounters Leon and briefly fights him before they both kill zombie tourists in a a real meet-cute between two classic franchise heroes. We also get a cool scene here where Jill and Leon encounter an aqua liquor and uh, fight it and kill it, but then they discover that there's a half dozen others that pop out of the water and attack them, and they run from them and blow them up. And I was really bummed that this is all we see of them. I thought for sure we were going to get some more aqua liquors later, but they're all uh, wrapped up here with a bow. I was kind Slime of expecting shot. this to be a hunter. Oh, a hunter would have been a really good. That would have made because there's a yeah. scene where right at the start they killed you know, some normal zombies, and then something pulls them down into the water, then right. spits out their half-eaten corpse. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like biting a whole humanoid in half seems more of like a hunter move than a liquor move. Mm-hmm. Also, they're aquatic hunters are aquatic. They're mutated frogs. Mm-hmm. We get some good Leon one-liners in this though. Oh, I, I did not uh, account for them. What, what do we got? There's some, we got? When they're running away, Jill's like, how many are there? And Leon's like, I'm not stopping the count. <laughs> and then <laughs> when they get to the end of the tunnel, he turns around and kicks a jerry can at them and then shoots it, which causes the jerry can to blow up. Then he uh-huh. just goes, zero. <laughs> Classic Leon. And Jill's reaction to it is great because she just looks at him and goes, what? And he goes, you asked how many there were. Zero. <laughs> 
And she just goes, uh, and then it like cuts. Yeah, that was really good. I'll give him that. That was really good. I want more of that. I want more people. I want Leon. See, that's the thing. I want Leon to be consistently the person that just says weird or like funny, just one-liners. And I just want the characters uh-huh. to constantly call him out on and be like, that, what? Yeah, the Le- funny thing, too, is that Jill is also like a one-liner queen <laughs> in the Resident Evil 3 remake. That's true. <laughs> like, that's her whole deal in there is she's basically the Lady Leon. <laughs> At this point, Chris and Claire get to talk into the nerd. Uh, who I have in the notes is Tony Davis. That's the fake name he gives. Mm-hmm. Ah, He's okay, at- okay, thank you. This voice actor is laying it on so thick because uh-huh. they ask him his name and it is the most like suspicious, obviously making up a fake name on the spot. Yeah, exactly. Tony Davis. Tony Davis. I'm Mr. Pseudonym. Good to meet you. Yeah. There's like a weird exchange here where he asks what they who they're with and when Claire says she's with TerraSave, he's like, oh, you're those bioterrorists that unleashed that bioweapon on, does he say, like Harvard Square or something? I guess. I guess that's a Resident Evil 6 reference. I don't remember Is that it? being framed on TerraSave. I don't remember either, but Jill just, or Claire says something like, oh, if you watched real news, you'd know that we were framed for that. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of, like, where that whole thread ends. It feels like it's gesturing towards cultural commentary. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, but as I didn't quite I don't, get there. But I don't remember TerraSave being framed for like an umbrella thing. As I don't like, think they were framed for no, anything. I don't remember that either. I don't think. And we've played a lot of Resident Evil games as uh, the historical record documents. Did TerraSave? What was the organization that was in charge of that weird utopia city that got leveled in Revelation? You no, know, that thinking wasn't TerraSave, was it? I don't think it was. Ter- yeah, yeah, no, I don't think it was. That was. Um, it wasn't the BSAA. It wasn't TerraSave. Uh, I, I don't know who was running that. It's a good question. I didn't think that TerraSave turned up until Revelations 2, but I could be wrong. Oh, man. That's what I as thought. As soon as we stopped covering this, all the, like, Resident Evil extended universe, like, cinematic canon just left my brain. Mm-hmm. It's all going to come back at midnight tonight. <laughs> yeah, there's so mm-hmm. much to keep track of. <laughs> so, uh, at this point, the scientist Tony attracts some zombies for Chris and Claire to fight. And uh, Claire's very cool here, mowing through some zombies. (laughs) We then get back to Jill and Leon chatting as they go through the sewers. Leon says that he's here to track down Dr. Antonio Taylor, who is a specialist in robotics engineering. They feel a draft and uncover a secret tunnel, and Leon makes them go down the tunnel because... He goes, it'll be like we're breaking out of prison. It'll be fun. Yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. there you go. Leon's a piece of work. I love Leon in this. Yeah. I wrote down another good one-liner. He, like, gives some trivia to Jill as they're going through it. He's like, I didn't know that. And he goes, well, after this, I guess I'll put tour guide on my resume. <laughs> this is the Leon that we wanted in Infinite Darkness and yes. didn't get. They end up in a very Resident Evil 2-esque flooded chamber full of sleeping liquor babies in the water. I thought this was kind of a neat visual. Okay, I thought from a distance these looked like uh, it was like the hunter gammas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit, little like bit. the what weird like the frog guys. Yeah. yeah. Okay, if and then the scene right after this, not to cut you off, we get like the straight up like first person POV hunter cam out of RE One. Mm-hmm. We do. This movie really felt like it wanted to have hunters in it, and then they just opted 
not it's like but liquors I wonder what though. the deal is with that i, I guess know. liquors are more iconic than hunters but the liquors aren't even in most of this like they get one scene but then like the first person pov isn't liquors it's the bad guy mentions them by name later oh yeah he does say like does he say liquors specifically yeah. that's funny. which i thought was weird do they ever call them liquors in the series i don't know i don't think they like, we call did actually that. i thought that was just like that's strange us calling them that I mean, not, uh, not like you and I. I mean, like the the viewer, an unofficial name, right? Of course, because they're just modified. Well, not modified. They're evolved zombies. Yeah, I was I was recently doing some Resident Evil reading, as one does, <laughs> and um, it's apparently pretty contentious about how liquors occur. I thought that it was clear in the course of the series, but apparently there are like two or three different rationales as to how liquors happen hmm. as the franchise goes on. Hmm. So. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry too much about it. That first person POV that uh, Spencer mentioned, we get there's something flying through the prison and it has like robot noises accompanying it, I found. And it infects Chris and Claire via bite, despite being unnoticeably small. It's apparently invisible in the wider environment. Uh, as it turns out, these are T-virus mosquitoes. Well, they're biodrones. I'm sorry, biodrones. Biodrones. Which, as far as I can tell, are just... Because they have to grow them organically, so I guess they're just mosquitoes that they can also somehow control via computer? Yeah, it's like they grow in the liquors? I guess. Yeah. Again, it seems like weird frog stuff, because there's like a species of frog where like they carry the fro- eggs on the back. And then that's the eggs true, after. yeah. That's yeah, true. and that's what this is. There's like the larva of these mosquitoes is being grown... On the backs of these, like, liquor larvae mm-hmm. sitting in this stagnant water, which hunters are mutated frogs. Yeah, it feels like it was all right there. Yeah. Hmm. Capcom uh, should hire me to write one of these scripts. Yeah, Capcom <laughs> should hire you, Spencer. Uh, at this point, the nerd runs off and encounters that mysterious biker lady from Leon's intro. There's a weird abrupt cut here. It kind of goes us from uh, Leon and Jill being in the tunnel to Leon and Jill being in a full-blown, like, armory with a submarine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leon believes it's a remnant of Alcatraz's fortress days. Uh, we see a cut where Hunnigan calls Rebecca. Uh, Rebecca can't reach Chris. Uh, Hunnigan can't get a hold of Leon. But she fills him in and says that, or fills her in, sorry, and says that someone's been researching bioterrorism going back to... Uh, raccoon city and has stolen data specifically on leon jill chris and claire hmm combat data (laughs) you gotta get the combat data (laughs) Uh, leon and jill are reviewing data in the tunnels um they find a bunch of like little liquors in the water we already referenced this that this these are like incubation uh vessels Mm -hmm. for the bio drones uh, we get a voiceover telling Jill and Leon, it's like a PA system, right? Mm-hmm. where someone's announces to them that they need to come back to the main prison block since he has Chris and Claire. Oh, no. Yep. Hmm. Cut back to Rebecca. She leaves HQ with a vaccine. Um, she's she's gearing up and going in as backup. Mm-hmm. 
this doesn't come up. She makes a comment like, oh, geez, I hope I brought enough. But that's like, I don't know, Chekhov's scarcity. I don't know. It's very strange. Yeah. There's a lot of cut corners here with Rebecca. Mm -hmm. I, I was wondering if it was supposed to be a joke because it's kind of a cliche to like in Resident Evil to, oh, we only have enough vaccine for one fewer people than there are that need it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But then that doesn't come up here. She's worried about it, and then she just has plenty for yeah. everybody. That's a good point. Yeah. So that might have been a joke. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt on that. Mm-hmm, but sure. Leon and Jill get back. They find Chris and Claire in cells. Uh, they're very clearly sick. Um, the nerd is there. This is where it does, like, the reveal that it's actually Antonio Taylor. Even though I think it was already pretty clear that it was Antonio Taylor. There's a real conservation of characters in this mm-hmm. that makes it hard for for somebody to pretend to be somebody else. Like, we have we have a very limited number of players in this play. The main character, or the big bad evil guy, he introduces himself as Dylan Blake. And he explains the idea that he can uh, target people with these biodrones to infect them. And demonstrates by infecting Leon right in front of Jill. Oh, no. Yep. Uh, This is also where he reveals that the mysterious ninja lady is uh, Maria Arias. And that is treated like we're supposed to know who that is. But I had no idea who that was. So I looked it up and she's from Resident Evil Vendetta, uh, (laughs) which I've never seen. Me neither. This is where we get the big, like, stereotypical Resident Evil bad guy exposition dump. Uh, Dylan Wax is poetic about how they're all just pawns in a war to protect evil corporate executives mm-hmm. and how they like to think they're doing good, but really they're just uh, reinforcing the status quo that led to all this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get another flashback, you know, to him in the Raccoon City incident uh, where his friend is begging to for help and not to get shot. Yeah, it turns out that his please wasn't for Dylan to kill him. It was, uh, please don't. But a twist. Yeah. It's like a little brutal um, because he goes to shoot him, but his gun's out of ammo. So he has to bludgeon him to death with like an empty ammo crate. Yeah, that Mm. was a good, that that was a good bit of drama. Yeah. And then it, this seemed like a little much because then it cuts to, uh, it's like the rhythm of him beating his friend with the ammo crate. And then it like slow fades into the rhythm of him thumping his cane on the ground. That's why he's been tapping his cane this whole time. Yeah. And I figured there's got to be something that led to it. I mean, it's definitely represents something. <laughs> <laughs> there's some weird flip-flopping here. Because he talks he talks a lot about how the world is so messed up that he wants to wipe the slate clean, destroy everyone, burn it all to the ground and start over. But then he also talks about how the biodrones were made specifically so that he could target people, so that he could choose who lives or dies, so that he could only wipe out the evil people. The wrong people. The wrong people, which is in direct opposition to what he said before. Uh, so that kind of doesn't make any sense. Yeah, is he Wesker or isn't he Wesker? He's just yeah. confused. I think I referred to it as partial global saturation. Yeah. <laughs> so he hasn't infected Jill yet. His plan with her is that he wants to make her experience what he went through he wants to make her kill her friend so claire is in a cell with the scientist he wants to make jill shoot and kill claire before she turns in order to save the innocent scientist Mm -hmm. well something that's like really stupid that happens is after they go back and forth a little bit he just shoots and kills the scientist and says took too long yeah what was that yeah that defeats the whole purpose why did it take too long Claire's still could turn like she's still turning 
it didn't it didn't take too long because Jill took too long. Like it hadn't reached the point where I don't know. His plan was still effective. There was <laughs> like they were still in the same situation. He could have kept waiting her out, and she mm-hmm. still might have killed Claire. If he was just really wanted the scientist to die and wasn't going to worry, he could have waited till after she shot and killed Claire to kill the scientist. Dylan's got places to be, doggone And it. if she didn't kill Claire, then Claire would have killed the scientist. Like, there was no reason for him to do this at all, other than, again, I think someone imagined a storyboard where that seemed like a cool dramatic thing mm-hmm. to do, so they just did it, even though it makes no sense. Yeah, we got 90 minutes here. That's all we got. Yeah. Yeah. He just sets up and then sabotages his own grand dramatic gesture within the span of like 15 seconds. Yep. For no reason. Yep. We do cut here to see uh, Gil's status update on Rebecca. Her and her team is approaching the island. Mm-hmm. I don't think much else develops here yet. It's just yeah. reminding us that she's a card in play. On route. Mm-hmm. So we go back and Dylan does a little round robin of whining about and complaining all the different Ari protagonists, explaining why they're not as good a people as they seem to think they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, he calls out that Leon works for the U.S. government, which is, you know, actively perpetuates all the wars that he likes to fight in. He calls out Claire for working for TerraSave, not at, out of pride, but um, he, he says specifically that Claire enjoys sitting back and making other people do the dirty work yeah what's that mean it makes no sense because every time we've ever seen claire she's been like in the thick like in the thick of everything throws herself into it yeah Yeah. she's on the front lines of saving people yeah she's like in biohazard zones shooting zombies in heads herself Mm -hmm. that's like the and then helping with the ptsd yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that's sort of weird yeah he makes fun of Chris for losing team members on every single mission. He's not wrong. <laughs> Which is valid. <laughs> I did I did laugh about this. I, I just, I thought about Resident Evil 6 and how Chris's, like, main personality trait is all of my so team members die. And he never gets any better because then he moves on to uh, RE7 and 8 where he treats the whole Ethan Winter situation very poorly. Oh, yeah. yeah he just much. kills more of his teammates. Oh, yeah. yeah. But now he doesn't care about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then... He makes fun of Jill for letting her emotions get in the way, which seems like a real weird... It seems like the kind of, like, sh- shitty motivation that the Jigsaw Killer has by the time you get to, like, Saw 7. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like <laughs> real, like, 20-something guy on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Jill tells him to go fuck himself, which is fun. It's the right call. Mm. Yeah. We cut back to uh, Rebecca's crew. They get on... The... They, they dock, uh, and right after they disembark they get something picked up on the radar approaching very quickly and we end up with a zombie shark attack pretty cool well it would be cool this was a (laughs) weird choice i didn't know what this was trying to do if this was a budgetary concern or if they just couldn't figure out how to logistically make a shark kill people that were already on the land (laughs) (laughs) yeah but the way this attack happens is it like gets close and then it cuts to like the wall and we just see a silhouette of a shark (laughs) hear guns firing and blood spatter and like that's it we don't see anything just the silhouette of the shark on the cave wall yeah this is rough uh (laughs) i gather from the interviews that this was a budgetary concern okay (laughs) and this is where dylan shoots dr taylor i don't know if we want to just reference back to that or if chris is going to do editing magic because i already went over how silly that scene is i'm not i think i'll let it be fair enough Leon does manage to get a, a flashbang off here. He had it uh, 
secreted in a pocket or something. Secreted? Secreted? He's secreting them now. (laughs) Yeah. He just sweats flashbacks. flashbacks. (laughs) Just popping them out like (laughs) eggs. He's a chicken. He's a chicken with flashbangs. (laughs) Yeah, so that allows Jill to escape. Mm -hmm. So Dylan starts talking about his plan a bit more. The biodrones from the liquors will hatch. Um, The same ones that we saw earlier that uh, Jill and Leon found. Mm Mm-hmm. Continue his menace of the uh, of the robotic mosquitoes or whatever the heck they are. Oh yeah, Claire is starting to treat uh, Doctor Taylor's wounds. So Doctor Taylor he, mm. is he the guy from the beginning that was weeping? He's the same guy who's been put to work in Dylan's. Uh, the one who's um, being forced to work. Oh no, it makes more sense to me. Exactly. Yep. That I say it out loud. This seems hilarious because if you think the full extent of this guy's interaction with this crew is, they find him. Mm-hmm. He calls. Claire a terrorist and she says you're mistaken I'm not actually a terrorist and then after he gets shot she tries to help treat his gunshot wound and that is all it takes for him to go into this monologue about how if only I knew people as kind and as generous and heroic as you existed maybe I would have taken a better path in life maybe I would have done everything all differently I'm like, really? That's the bar? He's a real, like, early Resident (laughs) Evil NPC. Very much so. Like, he comes across as an NPC from, like, Resident Evil 3, 1999. If only I had met a single person that wasn't a terrorist and didn't (laughs) let a man die in front of them in cold blood. Like, just a single one of them. Maybe I wouldn't have helped orchestrate the apocalypse. (laughs) And this is why I got (laughs) confused. This is why I got confused. I'm just like with this monologue, yeah. it's like, how are you the same person from the beginning? <laughs> yeah. I, I thought the person was being used, like literally at gunpoint. And now all of a sudden he's just like, ah, I could have changed my ways if only someone reached their hand out and told me that I was a good child. So afterwards, Chris and Leon are speculating like how the world is messed up. Um, but killing is so easy. You just solve problems and doing the right thing is hard. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I am going to go to bat. I am going to go to bat for Resident Evil Death Island on this because I thought this was nice. I thought mm-hmm. it was a repudiation of the weird, like, nihilism that occurs when one sometimes encounters injustice and you're like, I don't know what to do with it. I'm going to throw up my hands and not do anything when really doing literally anything is better than doing nothing. I'll give it to them. Um, Taylor also reveals that he made a back door. Uh, to the network, because of course he did, in case he ever got screwed over. Which he did. Which he did, <laughs> as he expected, because he never met someone who was never a terrorist. I-, I might have my details wrong here, too. I don't think he does give a USB drive. He just gives a password. Well, there's like a physical device. He yeah. calls it a password, but there's like a physical device embedded in his pen that he gives her. Okay, I, I feel more vindicated then. I just remember he like, gave Claire something, like I said, I was kind of in and out. Yeah, the MacGuffin. He gives her a MacGuffin. He gives her a MacGuffin, and then he dies. From here, Jill encounters uh, Rebecca in the sewers. Jill says, I hope you brought some backup, and Rebecca just says, they're dead. And then from there, (laughs) Rebecca uh, goes to help with the crew. Jill has the army to destroy the incubation tank. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rebecca is applying the vaccine to Leon, uh, Claire, and Chris. Mystery lady, Maria, I love the way this is written, (laughs) opens the floodgates to loose the liquor pups. Mm-hmm. Once that's done, Chris, uh, Claire and Chris are recovering. They eventually get better. Mm-hmm. And apparently Leon left ahead of them? Yeah, he's got to get out of here for a duel. 
Uh, Maria finds Leon and fights him. She's got, like, Wesker powers. Yeah, she yeah. does. She punches straight through, like, concrete pillars. Mm-hmm. She does physics-defying kicks. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite parts of this fight is she, like, punches her hand through, like, a compute, like a big, like, computer console mm-hmm. and rips out a bunch of long electrical wires and then uses them as a whip. <laughs> <laughs> it's good stuff. I don't think they go in uh, yeah, I, depth about her powers, dude. Or rather her super... Oh, not even a little bit. No, yeah. It's best not to think about it. Yeah. Yeah, those fight scenes so stupid and I love it. Yeah. And then at the end, and I think they're kind of in on the joke because this fight concludes Leon like uh, does the the thing where he like kicks her back in like an exposed pipe from one of the pillars she punched through, like pierces her through the chest. Mm-hmm. And for, like, a moment, she just walks off of the pipe like a Terminator. <laughs> and you think, oh, man, does she is she, like, a weird tyrant? Like, what? Right, like, bioweapon? She didn't care. And then she, like, drops dead and dies. Yup. Yeah. So it's like, okay, they bait and switch you a little bit there. And then he says, now you can be with your dad again. Yeah. <laughs> Who I assume was a character from Resident Evil Vendetta. Right, That was weird, though, because he doesn't say that with the cadence of, like, a one-liner. Like, the music gets all som- somber. It's a it's, little sad. Right. Like it seems like they're trying to treat that moment in particular like it has some emotional heft to it, despite being a character that we don't know who they are. Yeah, you really got to be a Resident Evil CG hound for that. Yeah. You're going to have seen all the CG pictures, and I will not go on that journey. Me neither. And the movie's also... I mean, I don't want to say it's like both... It's like firmly in the deep end of Ari Ridiculousness, because we have a real uh, jump the shark moment <laughs> in a minute here. Where it gets literal even shark. Literally. Mm. So, we see Dylan up on the submarine with uh, an injection gun, and the shark is there. And they're like, what is he doing? He injects himself with the virus and then jumps off the submarine into the water to get eaten by the shark. And what we find out here was that his plan... We skipped a step here, because at some point between the last time we saw him monologuing and now, he also went to the panel and unleashed the bio-drones on the world. Yeah, Yeah. okay. So that's also at odds with his, like, targeted annihilation thing, because based on what it shows on the screen in front of him, he very clearly just hit the infect the whole world button. Yeah, there's just, they're kind of, like, injecting these little scenes in between the more engaging parts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So he did that, and then he injects himself, and then uh, fuses with the shark. He is now shark man shark zombie. Nah, 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 but no. he also has like hooves. Like one of his legs is like a hoof. What's the deal <laughs> with that? <laughs> yeah. That really that bugged me more than it should have. Maybe he had like a hamburger for lunch. Yeah, yeah, it could have been what he ate. Yeah, yeah it could have been what he ate. A little, little cow hoof. Yeah. Part cow. <laughs> Quarter cow. There's some, like, weird Matrix fighting here where it's got big tentacles as well that swipes at them, and we just get to see all five characters in a line just acrobatically somersault and dodge under the tentacles as it's swinging at them. There's a note on this in the interviews where the uh, the voice actors note that they enjoyed the fact that the characters dodge out of the way in the way that they would have in the games. Like, there's a unique dodge for each character, which I thought was kind of charming. Yeah. I've got nothing against that. But it's just, like, fun. It's, like, a real action scene. Mm-hmm. Claire and Rebecca run off to uh, try to stop the drones. Cla- There's a scene here where... I wasn't sure where this was going. Claire mm-hmm. goes to terminate the drones, just, like, self-destruct them. And Rebecca's like, wait a minute. 
why destroy them when we have control of them? And I'm like, is Rebecca about to have a weird Wesker turn? Yeah, this was a cool, like, I really thought there was going to be a very strange twist for the Resident Evil franchise for Rebecca. Yeah, that would be so fantastic if, like, Rebecca Chambers became, like, a new evil person. She is famously Shinji Mikami's least favorite character from the series. Isn't she the one that's in the cheerleader outfit in the Resident Evil 2 police desk? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So she was in Resident Evil 2. We didn't mention that earlier when we mentioned what game she's from. In a in a sense, she is in Resident <laughs> Evil 2. It's a weird misogynistic Easter egg. There you go. So they go back to the fight. There's... Man, so I don't <laughs> quite know how to read this because they mention it's an armory. It's an abandoned military base. Is this military rocket launchers that they left all over the place <laughs> or was this guy stocking rocket launchers it's under alcatraz why was he stocking rocket launchers if he was sending the drones i th- i get the vibe they just left rocket launchers here because there's a lot every single character finds multiple rocket launchers that they just like fire and then jill <laughs> finds a plasma rifle which she explains how it works yes it's she very pulls sweet. A, this is a plasma rifle it'll fire a beam up to twenty thousand <laughs> degrees like centigrade once it charges what a nerd. <laughs> Jill uh, tells the boys to try to distract the monster and lure it closer to her for the, the plasma rifle. Mm-hmm. Um, she charges it up and does get a shot off. Uh, Echoes of RE3 make it even requires two shots to kill it. Mm-hmm. Before she gets the second shot off, though, uh, she gets knocked away by the monster's tentacle. Mm-hmm. Leon shoots the pistol and it starts to stumble away. And this is where we get the reveal that Rebecca redirected the drones to attack the monster. Yeah, mm-hmm. cool also goofy because i feel like just having this swarm of drones large enough to infest the whole world concentrated on attacking this could be enough but the way she phrases it is it's overloading it with the virus and messing up its chemistry (laughs) yeah a little silly science words oh she messed up its chemistry got it Hit that, hit that chemistry button. Yeah. Hit the chemistry button. So it stumbles away and goes into the water, um, and they realize that this is a problem because this is, you know, it's an aquatic monster, kind of, and they don't want it to hit the open water, so they try mm-hmm. to close the gate. Right. Jill is antagonizing it. She, there's, like, vehicles in play here, too. The armory has, like, jeeps and forklifts Yeah, they're in driving it. around. Yeah. So we got a little, like, mini car chase in here. It's, like, six football fields big. Yeah. Mm. So Jill's antagonizing it. She gets, uh, she, at one point she jumps in the water, uh, which seems like a bad idea. It kind of ignores her, but her, uh, she's got like a little satchel that gets caught in its mouth and it's mm. dragging her by the neck. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of a dramatic moment, but she cuts herself free and not much comes of it. Chucks some dynamite in its mouth. Yeah. The, the cool thing here is <laughs> Leon and Chris pull out, I guess what you... I don't think a tandem rocket launcher is the right word, (laughs) because that implies it shoots two rocket launchers. What it is is just a rocket launcher so big that it takes two Chris... It takes a Chris and a Leon to hold it. (laughs) As you can see, they pull it out, and Chris is like, do you even know how to use this thing? And Leon's like, it's got a trigger, doesn't it? (laughs) They both stand on either end of it. (laughs) Just eight plus... Team Rocket Launcher. Peak peak Resident Evil. Yeah. Um, so they fire their little uh, two-person rocket launcher at the gate to drop it on top of the monster, pinning it. Uh, at which point, the dynamite that uh, Jill threw in its mouth explodes and takes it out. Mm-hmm. Claire and Rebecca high-five. Is it dead? Super dead. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. 
Then we cut to outside. We have all five heroes hanging out on the dock in San Francisco to chat about the operation. This, like, one scene was kind of funny to me because Mm -hmm. the three female characters, Jill is in her bright blue top, Claire's in her bright red jacket, Rebecca's in bright green, Mm -hmm. and then they're bookended by just, like, tight black shirt Leon and Chris. To me, they looked like like the shitty planeteers. (laughs) Each one has, like, their own very specific assigned color Mm -hmm. and then sandwiched by bland hunks. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah, I can dig it. Mm-hmm. I can dig it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of it. They sort of like debrief a little bit, chat about the operation. Uh, Chris tells Jill that he's glad she's back, and she agrees with that. <laughs> I don't remember if there's like anything interesting in this epilogue. My notes ended at the two-man rocket launcher, because that's ah. really the climax of the movie. Yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, I guess conceivably there could be like a post credit scene or something, but I didn't see it. Nah, I don't the movie ends with, uh, with Jill agreeing, and, mm-hmm. and that's that. Yeah. So let's talk final impressions. Hamilton, what's your take on this movie? Good lord. It's... <sighs> yeah, it has one or two beats in it. I do appreciate they tried to add, like, the canon and continuity of the games, I suppose. <sighs> but the game... <sighs> the movie itself just wasn't interesting to watch. I mean, it was very hard to, like, pick up on what people were saying just because like it it's boring besides the action mm-hmm. scenes and like when things pick up and then i kind of noticed that but like the protagonist is inter- eternally confused as to who he wa- actually wants to be he came across he came across way too ham-fisted at first and then he's just like oh you know i'm going to make the world right he was just a very boring antagonist which is sad. Oh, because... yeah, yeah, Dylan, Dylan, yeah. Yeah, Dylan, sorry. Because, like, he had the, uh... He had, like, the interesting backstory, kind of, where, you know, mm-hmm. it was the twist, where it's just, like, actually, he was, um, the partner's begging, like, not to be killed, and there's so many different ways that could have gone about better. It's just, like, that's actually kind of interesting, because I could be like, oh, okay. Like, he just can't forgive himself for doing something like that, and he lost his mind. I don't know, there's probably... A a way to do it. Mm-hmm. But now he's just like, actually, I'm just going to blame everybody else. Um, I'm going to kill everybody in the world, but not everybody, but I'm also going to kill everybody. <laughs> right. So I'm like, uh, okay. Very messy. And then he becomes the, the monster, which was confusing and uninteresting. <sighs> Sorry, listeners. It's just a very uninteresting movie. I don't really have much to say about it. It, it, it exists. <laughs> I can't recommend it, and I lost interest, like, numerous times. I just kind of, like, faded out. I mean, what about you, Chris? What What are your thoughts on it? Uh, I wish I could say more, but I'm kind of on the same page. <laughs> like, it's it's simultaneously... It's not so good that it's engaging, but it's not so bad that it's hilarious. <laughs> 
Like it, it, it has its moments of silliness and it has its moments of mm, like cool action. Mm-hmm. But by and large, it's like it's 90 minutes of images. Like there's just, yeah, you could, you could put this on while you did something else and you wouldn't miss a lot. It's a shame that this is where we get all of these Resident Evil protagonists intersecting, right? Like, yeah. There's something to be said for uh, Claire and Chris teaming up for the first time since Code Veronica, Mm -hmm. or Leon and Jill meeting each other, or heck, Rebecca being in the mix. Uh, I think that's fun. Mm -hmm. You know, there's something to be said for this, and unfortunately it's this strange, like, not even B-movie, but like C-movie adventure at Alcatraz. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it does have a handful of neat scenes, like the the zombie sharks are cool. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see more of the aquatic liquors. Mosquito bio drones are a good idea. Like that, that could be used in a more engaging Resident Evil plot. You know what this is? Is it's better than Infinite Darkness. <laughs> I yes. will say that for it. It is better than Infinite Darkness. Mm-hmm. So that is my my most glowing endorsement for this. Uh, what about you, Spencer? Well, you know, I just had a thought when you mentioned the dr- mosquito drones being a good idea. Yeah. They would have been a good idea if he followed through with the plan of, like, selective zombification. Mm-hmm. But if his end goal is to just zombify the whole planet, in what way are the mosquitoes more effective than just the normal T-virus? Yeah, because the zombies mm-hmm. that they make don't can't even carry on the infection, exactly. as we right. discovered. Yeah. yeah, and the problem with the T-virus is that it's specifically it's difficult to contain the spread. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So hmm. it makes even less sense. And I didn't give it much credit for making sense to begin with. Jeez, yeah, you're right. I just think the mosquitoes are like a, an interesting idea. Not in this movie, because it's not like done right. in a great way at all. But I mean, like, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting, like, threat. Yeah, exactly. There, there could be an interesting story built around that. Yeah. I derailed a little bit. Final impressions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought the first half of this movie was like dreadfully boring mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the second half starts to devolve into that like specific resident evil stupidity that i kind of love <laughs> where i can't quite tell if they're in on the joke or not uh-huh. <laughs> you've got your bad guy with like monologues that make no sense yeah and behavior that makes no sense mm-hmm. over the top cartoonish fight scenes mm-hmm. uh leon one-liners yeah uh so there is stuff to like here, but sure, it's yeah. it's mm-hmm. very much, I don't know, kind of like middle of the road. It's better than Infinite Darkness, mm-hmm. but I was going to say worse than another one, but I can't honestly remember any of the other Resident Evil CG movies, so more memorable than the <laughs> other ones, I guess. I feel like it's not as good as that one where there were all the Mr. X's fighting tanks. Yeah, that was fun. I can't remember. Oh, the, the one name. where they're that's in like the it's in the Eastern Block. Yeah, or? Resident Evil Damnation with like the president. Yeah. Who also was a judo master. <laughs> what was the band with the at the airport? Uh, that's Degeneration. I've never seen that one. Uh, didn't we cover Degeneration for the show? We did not. You might be thinking of the uh, the adaptation decay episode on Resident Evil Regeneration. I must have rewatched it for that because I know I watched Degeneration within the last three years. I've never, and I certainly didn't do it because I cared about watching Degeneration. (laughs) I've never seen it. I've never seen it. You know, there's an iPhone game based on it. Are we gonna play it for the show? Hell no! (laughs) That ship has sailed. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, don't recommend, I guess. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. that's that for our coverage of resident evil death island we hope you've enjoyed listening and encourage you to come back next time for the start of our fourth season which covers capcom's mega man as for us we've been your hosts chris spencer and hamilton thanks for listening everybody goodbye <laughs>